if you go and grab your Bibles, please, and open up to the book of Exodus. The books of Exodus, chapter number three. Once again, keep Pastor and Mrs. Bell in your prayers as uh, they are out, obviously still. So please keep them in your prayers. Every time I think of them, I just Exodus chapter number thir- uh, chapter number three. We'll begin reading in verse number thirteen. We'll read two verses and then we will pray, and then we shall take a seat. Exodus chapter number three, beginning in verse number thirteen. And the Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this time, Lord. I, I pray that you'll speak to me at this time, Lord, as I believe this is what you would have me preach, Lord. I pray that you'll use me, Lord. I don't want to just fill a place. I don't want to just fill a time slot, Lord. I want to... I want to help. I want to be used of you, Lord. And I pray that you'll give me the words to say. I pray that you'll be with Pastor and Mrs. Bell as they're out right now. I pray that you'll be with Smell as she uh, is recovering from her surgery. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There was a man born on April 1st, 1883, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. His name was Leonidas Cheney. He was one of four children, born to deaf parents. As a result, Cheney learned how to communicate with his hands and face while growing up, expressing a variety of emotions without ever uttering a single word. At an early age, he was familiar with what it was like to be an outsider, to be at once a part of the everyday world and simultaneously distanced from it. This, more than anything, informed his choices of roles and provided with sensitivity in his future years. In his early teen years, he, he got a job at a local opera house as a, a prop boy. In 1902, at the age of 19, he made his theatrical debut in an amateur play and soon after joined a traveling musical comedy. Eventually, Cheney would be forced to leave the theater. Upon leaving the theater, Cheney would find himself destined for motion pictures. Now, once again, this was a long time ago, so motion pictures were silent motion pictures at the time. Two of Cheney's best-remembered films are also considered classics of the silent era. He was uh, an actor in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and he was also in The Phantom of the Opera. In both films, Cheney dominates the subject matter and etches a distinctive personality. By 1923, Cheney was known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. That's who he was. That's that's who his character was. In that time period, and even today, uh, many characters and stars get their singular niche down, and that's who they are. You know, you think of Simon Era, you know, you think of uh, Charlie Chapman and things like that, where they have a character, and they they try and figure out who that character is and push that character to the extent they could. Uh, Well, Lon Chaney did something totally different. As opposed to finding a specific character that he could do, he found... Anyone and everyone that no one else wanted to be. 
that's who he would be. And through his work with uh, makeup, with grease paint, uh, false teeth, wax, he was able to create a thousand faces. And not only just the faces, but the acting and the ability to go along with it. All that to say, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney was famous and so good at his job because he could seemingly completely and totally change his appearance, his demeanor, and seemingly switch his life with another individual in the blink of an eye. That's who he was, thus getting bestowed the title of the man of a thousand faces. He had a very unique talent and ability, even though he could do something that no one else had done before, nor really since. Nowadays, you know, we have... CG, we have all these computer animated graphics, and there's whole art teams and things like that. Lon Chaney would do his own makeup. He would do his own disfiguring with wax and grease paint to where he was satisfied with it. He didn't have a team that went around with him and got him ready for all these hours. He would do it himself. He would do his own deals. He would make his own uh, uh, masks and things like that. So he was someone the world has really rarely ever seen, someone of that ability to really change his own appearance so drastically to get that title, the man of a thousand faces. Uh, he was so good at it, they had a joke that they said in uh, Hollywood, they said, don't step on a spider, because you never know, it might be Lon Chaney, uh, because that's just who he was. He could change his appearance so drastically that you wouldn't even be able to recognize that's the same guy in these two different uh, theaters or, or screens. When God was asked his name back here by Moses, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? When God was asked his name, he merely replied by stating his being. He didn't have to give, because God has a lot of names. We can go through the Bible for hours and hours looking through and finding the different names of God. God could have given any one of his names, but as opposed to giving any one of his names, he said, I am. You see, God, unlike Lon Chaney, does not need makeup, wax, and grease paint. Doesn't need any of that to make himself anything and everything that we need, because that's who Lon Chaney was. Lon Chaney was the guy, you had someone that needed to do a special part that no one else could do, that would be Lon Chaney. He was the guy you'd call. He was the guy that would get the part because he could do it. He could make it happen. He could disfigure his face to become the Phantom of the Opera or the Hunchback of Notre Dame or any other thing that you could name. He could do it. You see, God doesn't need all the theatrics and all the things to be what we need him to be. That is just who God is. It is his very being. Because that is who God is. He is the I am. God does not all, need all the things that Lane Chaney needed. God is truly the answer to what is needed, not just an actor filling a role trying to portray an individual. Now, honestly, when I began preparing this sermon, it was a struggle. I've never had such a hard time preparing for a sermon. Don't know why. It's I, I've, I actually wrote this sermon when I was in college. So greatly changed a lot of it. That's, that's a lot of heresy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember uh, when I sat down to prepare this sermon, I was I was looking over and I had to clear my desk off from some things. And I, I found my old sermon. I got a 90. 
can't remember why. Um, oh yeah, I, I put the wrong text verse. Okay. Totally wrong with the Bible. Uh, and I got a 90 on it, but hey, it's all right. Uh, and I remember looking at it and I'm like, wow, that's been a long time. First time I've seen it probably since college. And I remember just sitting there thinking about it, and I remember seeing it, and okay, you know, and I put it aside, and I was working on something else, and then when I came time to get ready for my sermon, I, I just felt like my mind kept going back to it. And the reason why I was struggling is because for, I feel this is such a simple lesson. I feel like this could be a Sunday school lesson. Just going over, what I want to do is go over some of the attributes of God, who God is. But as I sat there and thought, uh, I thought back to last week when we went to Servants Conference. I remember Pastor Wilkerson, when they first started Servants Conference, he got up and he said, before we decided to do any of this, when it was first brought up, he said, the first question I asked myself and everyone else in the meeting, he asked, why are we doing this? Are we doing this just because this is what we do, just because it's what we feel like? Why are we doing this? Do we have a certain reason? Do we have a certain thing we're trying to accomplish? And as I sat there, I, I thought to myself, okay, what am I trying to do? What, what is the goal here? And I believe this is what God wanted me to preach. And I, I'm still not totally comfortable with it. I feel like it's very simple. But then the Lord talked to me, and, and I feel like he was trying to tell me, you know, sometimes the things that we need most is the simple foundational things. Because if the foundations are not there where they should be, then nothing else will be what it should be. Nothing else will be able to be built up as strong as it could be if there is a faulty foundation. So I want to look at just four of the attributes of God, four of the most basic attributes of who God is. Because when God said, this is what I want you to tell them, Moses, he said, I am. He made a statement of just being. That's all he did. He didn't give a name. He just said, this is who I am. And so I want to look at who God is. Is. So the first thing I want us to look at is in 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1, if you'd be able to flip there. 1 John chapter number 1. We'll read a couple of verses. We're doing a lot of flipping in our Bibles tonight because we want to look at who God is from his book. Because God will make himself known through the Bible that he has given us. So in the book of 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. In verse number five, the Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The first thing we see about who God is, the one that we can call to upon any problem, on any situation, God will be the answer to our problem, to our situation. The first thing we see about who God is, is God is light. We see this in 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Now in the Webster's 1828, the, uh, in the Webster's 828, the definition of light is the ethereal agent or matter which makes objects perceptible to the sense of seeing. It makes you, it gives you the ability to see what is in front of you. If it was not for light, you would not be able to see. In the total absence of light is darkness, and in true darkness, you cannot see anything at all. So God is light. God is what makes us be able to see what we need. God is what makes us be able to see what is coming down 
life's road. It also means life. Another uh, 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 definition of light is life. It is the illumination of the mind, knowledge and instruction. And all these things are true attributes of who God is in his facet of being the light. God is light. He is the one that allows to shed light on our path in front of us so we can see where we're going, so we are able to perceive the objects that are in front of us. He is the life that we need. He illuminates our mind and gives us knowledge and instructions. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to learn, you want to grow, you want to have knowledge, the fear of the Lord comes first because God is light. You see, light guides our path. In Psalm 119, 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, God is light. God is the one that is going to lead our path, is going to illuminate our path so we can see where we're going, so we can know where we need to go. In Psalm 37, verse number 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. See, God is our light. Since God is our light, we can see the path in front of us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And the man... That truly, the good man, God says, I'm going to order your steps. I'll be the light for your path. I'll be able to help you grow. I'll be able to help you learn. And I'll order your steps so you know where to take the next step. I'll help you guide your footsteps along life's path so you can not stumble and fall. See, the good man, his steps are ordered by the Lord. God, who is our light, if we trust in him and follow his word, he will make sure that our path is taken care of, that the light is shining in our path in front of us. See, we have to trust God, though. We have to trust in him. Even when we take our eyes off the Lord, see, God is a light for our path. God is light. That is who God is. God cannot help the fact that he is light. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 5, there is no darkness in him at all. None, none whatsoever. God does not have any darkness in him. He is totally light. So even when we as fallible, sinful creatures, we will have times that just like the Apostle Peter, when he walked on the water, he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and looked to the waves and looked to the waves and saw the storm crashing in around him. We will have those times in our life as we're walking down the pathway of life. We see God's light in the distance, but there will be times where things will be going on around us where we'll take our eyes off the light of the Lord. And all we'll see around us is the darkness of this world. Even in those situations, we begin to stumble, we begin to fall in the darkness. His light is still there to guide. His light didn't go out just because we took our eyes off it, just because we took him for granted for a little bit, just because we didn't trust him for a second because we heard some things going on around us. God's light is still there. Even when we stumble and fall, even though we have no excuse because God's light is right in front of us, we shouldn't stumble and fall, but we took our eyes off of him. We decided not to trust him for a second, but God still, in his infinite mercy, says, my light is still there for you. Do not forget, God is still our light. He provides guidance, warmth, comfort with his light. That's who he is. He is light. God is still our light. No matter how dark the night may be, God, our Lord, our Father, is still our light. But we must trust in the light to guide us. And that what the light is showing is what is there. 
See, sometimes shadows may be cast by objects, and those shadows may cause fear, may cause a, a, a misunderstanding of the objects that are in front of you, but you have to trust that what God is showing you is what God is showing you. Because the devil is going to try and try and convince you that those shadows are, are something bigger and more of a problem than you can handle, than you can face. But God says, my light is all you need. I will help guide you if you trust me. The devil will throw those obstacles and hindrances in to try and cast those shadows of doubt in your life. But you have to make a choice to trust God, no matter what the situation may be. You must trust your light. Just if you're walking down the street and you have a flashlight on, you have to trust that what that light is showing you is what is truly there. You have to trust your light. Because too often we fall prey to the devil's attacks of the casting of shadows and we take our eyes off the light once again because we're worried about the shadows that are coming in around us. Don't take your eyes off of the light. Do not forget who God is. God is light. He is your light. That is who he is. That is God made himself known for God is light. I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Do not forget, God is light. The problems of life come about when we forget who we are and who has us. Sometimes what we need is just a reminder of the simple foundations of life. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, we read in verse number 9. We're looking at who God is. God said, I am, so let's find out who I am is. What is the being? What makes up our Father, our God? In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 9, the Bible says, God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our the next thing we see, not only is God is light, but God is faithful. That, that, that is a mind-boggling attribute of who God is. He is not only the light, and he not only casts his light no matter what we do, no matter how far we stray, no matter how much we may stumble and fall, he is still our light. But not only that, God is faithful, and that is why his light still shines, even though we may take our eyes off it and stumble and fall. God is faithful, so his light shines forevermore. In, uh, in uh, the Webster's 828, the definition of faithful or faith uh, is fidelity, loyalty, firm adherence to allegiance and duty. That's what we should be to God. That's what we are commanded to be to God, but that's what God is to us. A firm adherence to allegiance and duty. That is the way God looks at us because he said God is faithful. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says God is faithful. And we see that there that God is loyal to us. God has a firm adherence and an allegiance to us because he chooses to. He is the faithful one. That is who God is. It's easy to forget as we go through the storms of light, uh, of night, and the storms of life, that we have a faithful Father that will never leave our side. No matter what troubles we may go through, even if they are troubles that we caused ourselves, God is always right around the corner. God is always close enough, right by, so he can be there in a second. 
God is faithful through everything that we may go through, even if it's our own doing. A faithful father who is waiting for us to grab his strong hand and walk alongside us. That's all God is waiting for. He's waiting for us to grab his hand and say, I'm, willing, I'm ready to go with you. Wherever you want to go, that's where I'll go. And God says, I've just been waiting for you. And he will be. He is the faithful one. In 1 Samuel 30, chapter, uh, chapter number 30, verse number 6, the Bible says, And David was greatly distressed, for this people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, David at this time, uh, uh, he's down, in, uh, he's down in, uh, in, the, in the land of the Philistines, he and some of his uh, men that have followed him. And when they were away from their families, away from their homes uh, for a time being, another uh, group of uh, soldiers came in and captured them all and took them all away. And when they got back, they saw the smoldering ashes and, and ruins of their houses and their lands. And they saw all their sons and daughters and wives were gone. And they began to mourn and they began to talk about stoning David because he was their leader and he had just led them here to the land of Philistines and now we've lost our families, we've lost everything, we have nothing left to live for. But David understood that he had a faithful God because David understood even though I'm going through this hard time, a horrid time in my life where I might be getting ready to get stoned to death, David could say, you know what, I can encourage myself in who God is because God is the faithful one. No matter how bad your storms may be, Christian, God is faithful. You can always trust and depend on God. Do not get over the fact that God is faithful. Don't just forget it. Don't get over it. Don't get over the fact that God of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, chooses to be faithful to us. Oh, wretched man that I am, a, a, a worm, that's who we are. We are, we are wretched individuals. We are wretched, sinful creatures. And God says, I choose to give you my duty, my allegiance. I give you my loyalty because I want to. That's who God is. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation to you, but it is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with, with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. You see, even when God is trying to help us grow, even when God is trying to help make us better, God is still faithful. He will not put us through a situation that with his help we cannot handle. God says, I will be faithful. I'm not just going to pour it on you and just bury you under everything of life and just leave you and say, see you later. No, God says, I will be faithful. No matter the situation, God is faithful. God is, is and always will be faithful. It's who he is. He cannot help it. God is faithful. That is who the I am is. He is the light. He is the faithful one. So many things of God blow my mind, but the fact that he chose to be faithful to us, can't even wrap my mind around it because God is truly faithful. We like to say of ourselves that we're faithful and we're trying to be faithful, but, but our faithfulness pales in comparison to what the true faithfulness of God is. He is the the, the standard, the gold standard of faithfulness. When we try to be faithful, we are trying to be like God. In Deuteronomy chapter number 7 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. 
which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. See, that's who God is. God is the faithful one to a thousand generations. It's a long time, okay? To a thousand generations, that's who God is. He is the faithful one. Do not forget your faithful companion. Do not leave him behind because God is waiting on us. God is the faithful one. He's waiting for us to come to him. He's waiting for us to call to him, but way too often we leave him behind because we're too busy with what we want and the the troubles and trials of life overtake us. And ironically, as opposed to going to the one that can help us with our problems, we go further and further away from him because I got to fix my problems. But God is waiting there saying, I can help. He is the faithful. Do not forget who God is. He is the light. He is the faithful. That is, that is who God is. He is light. He is faithful. If you flip over to 1 John, again, chapter number 4. 1 John, chapter number 4. John chapter number four. First John chapter number four, we'll begin reading in verse number seven. First John chapter number four, verse number seven, the Bible says, be beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse number eight, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And we've sit down to verse number 16, the Bible says, And we have known and believed that love, the love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. God is love. Not only is God is light, not only God is faithful, but God is love. The definition, an affection of the mind excited by beauty and worth of any kind or by the qualities of an object which communicate pleasure. In short, we will love something that provides pleasure, delight, or worth for us. So understand, if God is love, that means the things that he loves, which is us, because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, God loves us. That means God, when he looks at us, he says, I can see beauty. I, I can see pleasure. I can see worth in what I look at. And that's who God is. When once again, he looks at a wretched, sinful human being like myself, God says, I love. I can see something. There is something that I love. And that should cripple us. That the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, looks down on us and says, I love you. Not only is he his love, God is the founder of love. He created it. If there's anyone that knows what love is, it would be God. We see that in verse number seven. Love is of God. There would be no love if there was no God. God founded love. And God said, I am the founder of love, and I am love, and I choose to love you. That does not mean that God acts like anything and everything that we do never happened, and we are perfect creatures that do no wrong. No, 
God despite what we do, despite our wickedness, despite our choices against him, despite even as Christians, as saved individuals, taking the Holy Spirit through problems, through sin, and bringing him along with that, God still looks at us and says, even after we grieve the Holy Spirit. Once again, remember, after we get saved, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. He can't just leave when we decide to do wrong. He can't just leave when we decide to sin. So when we sin, we're not only sinning, we're bringing the Holy Spirit along with us. And the Bible says that we grieve the Holy Spirit. And even when we do that, God still looks at us and says, I still love you. I still love you despite that. Despite our wickedness, God still says, I am love. And I still love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us despite our wickedness. No matter how far you go, the Lord still loves you, and he still wants you to come back. The prodigal son, his father, still loved him. Every day his father would look to see, because the day that he came, he saw his son on the horizon, the Bible says he ran to him. Didn't matter that his son went a whoring after into the world and wasted all of his uh, substance and wasted the inheritance that his father had given him. The father still said, "I love you. I love you. I choose to still love you despite the situations you may have gone through and you may have caused in your own life. I still choose to love you because God is love." Second Peter. Chapter number three, verse nine. We'll flip there. Second Peter three, verse nine. This is the extent of God's love. Remember, we're looking at who the I am is. What makes up the I am? The deliverer of Israel from Egypt. Moses asked God, who am I going to say? Who will I say sent me? And he said, I am. We should know what makes up the I am. Second Peter chapter number three, verse number nine, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some mount count slackness, but is long suffering towards usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, that's the extent of God's love that no, he's not willing that anyone should perish. Doesn't matter how far you go, God still looks at you and says, I don't want you to perish. I'm still going to be long-suffering towards you because I don't want you to perish because I still love you. No matter how far you've gone, whether you're saved or unsaved, no matter how far you've gone, God is still waiting. God is still loving. He is still faithful and he's still showing his light, waiting. Doesn't matter how far you go, God still loves The sooner we truly can get around our minds the true gravity of the love of God, we will want nothing to do with this rotten and sin-sick world. This world is so tainted by sin and corruption. When you truly understand what the love of God is and who God is and that he still loves you despite all the wickedness that we do, God still says, I choose to love you because I want to. Because it's my choice. Because God said, I made love. And I understood what was going to happen, and I understood what we were going to do, but I'm still going to love you. That's who God is. The I am said, I am love, and I choose to love you. Do not forget 
who God is. Most of our problems, most of our sins will come from us forgetting who our Father is. He is the light. He is the faithful. He is love. Let's flip to John chapter number three. John chapter number three. John chapter number three and verse number 33. John chapter three and verse number 33. The Bible says, he that received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. Not only is God is light, not only is God is faithful, not only is God is love, but God is true. We can trust the love. We can trust the faithfulness. We can trust the light because God is true. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder because God is true. If God was not true, if God were to tell a lie, everything would be gone, vanish in a moment. Everything, everyone, gone. Our very existence, our very universe hinges on the fact that God is who God is. That God is true. That God cannot lie. He is the embodiment of truth. Truth, according to Webster's 828, says, Not false or pretended. Honest, not fraudulent. Free from falsehood. It is genuine, it is pure, it is real. It's not counterfeit, it's not adulterated, it's not false. That is who God is. He is genuine, he is pure, he is real. He is as far away from counterfeit, he is as far away from being altered, he is as far away from being false as anything can possibly be. He is the embodiment of truth, and everything that is true comes from God. You see, we can trust God as our light because God is true. We can trust God to be faithful no matter what the situation may come because God is true. God said, I am the light. Well, we can trust it because God is true. God says, I am faithful. I am the faithful God. And we can believe that because God is true. We know God is love and will love and will forever love because God is true. We don't have to wonder, we don't have to guess, we don't have to hem and haw about it. God is true. He cannot lie. That's what the Bible says. He's incapable of lying. So therefore, whatever God promises, whatever God says, we can hold to that. We can hold fast because God is true. In Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today, and forever. You see, God, Jesus Christ, they don't change. They are the same. They cannot change. They are immutable. They are incapable of changing. It is who they are. It is what God is. God is light. God is faithful. God is love. God is true. All these things, we can rest assured in who God is because God is true and he is unchangeable. He cannot change. He will not change. Who is the I am? 
We could spend forever learning and talking and finding about I am, and we should. We always should. Our lives should be an endeavoring of learning who God is and growing a stronger and more fervent relationship with the I am. We could go tonight and look through the Bible and find all the names of God and who God is and what those names mean, and we could learn more and more about God. But it's the basics. It's the simple things that we often leave behind because we want to go to bigger and better things. And as we leave them behind, we forget them and we drift further and further away in our effort, in our, our, our endeavor to become closer and stronger. We find ourselves actually drifting further and further because we left the simplicity of who God is. God is light. God is faithful. God is love. And we know all this because God is true. So often we forget the basics, the foundations. If the foundations be destroyed, what can be done? Nothing can be done. Everything begins to fall apart. Foundations of a building, foundations of a house begin to go. The whole house is going to go eventually. It's only a matter of time. It's going to begin to stumble. It's going to begin to crack. It's going to begin to fall. I wonder how many times, how many problems of our life are caused just because we forgot some of the basics some of the foundational things that we need in our lives, that God is our light. We stumble and fall, we look to the right, we look to the left, and, and we forget that God is our light, and he's shining the path in front of us. And, and he's trying to order our steps as we go, if we trust in him. And God is waiting for us to trust in him so he can guide our steps. The man with, that walks with God always arrives at his destination, because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If we are walking with God, God says, I, I can shine the light on the path. I, I can show you where to go. I can help guide you down the path of life through all the obstacles, all the troubles that the devil may try and cause, the flesh and the world may try and cause in your life. God says, my light and my guidance can get you through. God says, I will always be faithful. I'll always be nearby, no matter what situations may come. No matter how crazy and how unimaginable your situation may be, God says, I'm always there. I, I, I'm always ready. I am the faithful one. That is who God is. We cannot get over that, and we should never get over of who God is. He is our light. The light is our life. He is the faithful. He is love, and he is true. And taking all that, I want us to go to Psalm chapter number 56. Understanding some of the facets and some of the attributes of who God is. I want us to look at Psalm chapter number 56. Psalm 56. Verse number nine, Psalm 56 and verse number nine, we see many of the attributes, four of the attributes of who God is, but there's something else God is. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. The God of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, looks down and says, I'm for you. Not only am I going to provide you light, 
not only will I always be faithful and right around the corner, my hand outstretched, ready for you whenever you come. Whenever you call out, I'll be there. Not only will I love, and I am love, and I will forever love, not only am I true so you can trust everything that I've said and everything that I will say, not only all of that, God says all of that, and I am for you. The God of all the universe who sits on his throne in heaven and looks down upon all of man, all of his creation, all of everything, and he looks down and says, I am for you, I am for you, I am for you, and you have all of my attention. Because that is who God is. Because that is what God chooses to be. He looks down and says, I am for you. The troubles you may go through, the hard times of life that may come, God says, I'm still for you. I'm right around the corner. I'm the faithful one. My light is there to guide your path. The devil may try and throw you off and get your eyes away, just like Peter walking on the water. The devil is going to send the storms, the shadows of doubt. The devil is going to take everything he can to try and take away your foundations in the Lord. But as long as we keep our mind close to God and understand who he is and endeavor to learn and grow closer to him every day, we will have the victory. Because at the end of the day, God is for me. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. My enemies are about me. They encompass me. The storms of life are all about. The shadows of doubt are everywhere. I can't see anything else. But I know God is for me. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. The, the psalmist knows. They have some experience with God. They know when I cry unto God, you better run. Because God is for me. With all of who God is, never forget, God is for me. He chooses to be. He chooses to stoop himself down and say, I'm for you. He could stay up in heaven in his throne and just let everything go the way it's going to go. But he says, no, I choose to give you everything I have, my full attention, my full faithfulness, my light, my love, my truth. I give it to you because I am for you. We truly don't know what it is to be in a situation where God is not for us because God is. He is rooting for us. He is cheering for us. He wants us to have the victory. He wants us to come out stronger on the other side. God is all these things and he is for me. Don't ever forget who the I am is. As Moses stood there at the burning bush, being told by God, Moses, I want you to go. I want you to go and help my people, help my children. And he says, who, who sent me? What am I going to tell them? He says, just tell them I am. Such a powerful statement. God doesn't even need a name. Just his very being is all that is needed. And that's all we need. The fact of life comes, the storms of life comes. We just need to remember the being of God. God himself is right there with us. Even when it's storms of our own making. 
because we decided to do something wrong, because we decided to do something sinful, because we stumbled and fell, because we took our eyes off of our light, God still says, I'm right here with you. I am right here with you, and I'm willing to get you right back up because I'm not willing that any should perish. I'm going to be right alongside you. I want everyone to come back to me. That is who God is because God is for me. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 5. The Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, when we truly get an understanding and at least try to wrap our minds around who God is. and, And we see some of the promises that God has made. We should be blown away. We should feel the incapability to even wrap our minds around the very fact that this is who God is. And God has promised that he will never leave me no matter what I do, no matter what problems I may cause, no matter what enemies may come, God says with all of his other promises, with all of his light, with all of his faithfulness, with all of his love, with all of his truth, God says, I'm never gonna leave you. No matter what, I will never leave thee I wonder how many problems we cause ourselves because we just forget, because we just drift away. That's the natural thing to do. Things left to themselves get worse. If they're not actively looked out for, it will just naturally drift away. That's the thing that happens. That's why boats have to have an anchor. You have to have an anchor so you don't just drift away. You have to be anchored down. You have to be constantly fighting this world, the flesh and the devil, to make sure my relationship with the Lord is what it should be. If I'm not growing, then I'm dying. And knowing who God is, is that really too big of a thing to ask of God to say, can can we have a relationship? Can God ask too much with everything he's already done? He's taking you to heaven when you die? I mean, that's, that's, that's worth everything right there. But even on top of that, God says, I'm still this. I'm still faithful. I still love you. All these things. And we find it hard just to, you know, have a walk with God. Read our Bible every day. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. That's a big ass, God. Really? After all who God is, not, not just what he's done, just who he is. Not looking at anything God has done. This is just who God is. That is too much to ask, really, Christian? Is that really true? Pastor Bell has said it before. You may be saved, but it does not mean you're a Christian. A Christian is someone that their life emulates and is so close to the life of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that they are like Christ. When they look at them, they say, wow, you you are just like Christ. I think of the song that Ron Hamilton wrote about his father. 
he wrote and he said, I saw Jesus in you. That, would, that, that should be the, the goal of every true Christian is for someone to be able to look at them and say, I know you're a Christian because I can see the Lord Jesus Christ in you. When I look at you, all I can think of is, wow, I think that's what Jesus was like. And can you imagine such a thing, such a compliment to be said, you remind me. I think you are like the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our life goal. That should be something that we strive for every single day of our life. And it shouldn't be that big of an ask because, first off, God is taking us to heaven. But more importantly, just who God is. Because he wants to. Because he wants to. And he knows who we are. God is not surprised when we sin and fall and and stumble and choose to do wrong. God's not like, oh, wow, it happened again. No, God knew it was going to happen. And he still decided to give us his love, to give us his light, to give us his faithfulness. We drift so far from God. We drift so far. Christian, it's time we come back. It's time we reset our foundations because I think some of our foundations have become very shaky. It won't be hard to trust God in our finances and giving of tithes and offerings if we understand who God is. God is faithful. If God is faithful and if God is love and if God is true, then it should be no problem to give of my duty that God has commanded me. It shouldn't even be a question because God is faithful, so therefore I can trust him. It shouldn't even be a challenge to do what God asks us to do, to be a witness for him because God is faithful and he is going to take care of us and he is going to look after us because God said, I am. That is who God is, but too often I fear we forget who God is. We forget who the I am is. What is the actual being of God? Well, this is the being of God. There's more. But do we need any more? I mean, light, faithful, love, true. He's for me. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. How far we have drifted. We need to come back, Christian. We need to become Christians. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day.